Turn this morning to the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter number 35. Genesis chapter number 35. And we look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning. We're going to read the first three verses of Genesis chapter number 35. And we'll take our text uh, this morning from this passage of Scripture. And I believe this message will be something that will be a help to us today. Something we can use today and throughout the rest of our remaining life. Uh, Genesis 35. And we begin reading verse number 1. You follow along as I read the first three verses. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, Bethel, and dwell there. Something I want to point out really has nothing to do with the message today. Uh, but when God gives instruction, there's always an action involved. Uh, a lot of times we sit around and wait on God to do that which He tells us to do. And He says, Arise, and go up to Bethel, and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I wept. I want to put our focus this morning for our uh, title on the place that God sent Jacob. And I want to use this title this morning to bring this message. It's always a good idea to go to Bethel. It's always a good idea to go to Bethel. I believe this will help us today. Father, I pray that you'll use the message this morning. May the Word of God speak to us. May the Spirit of God lead us, guide us convict us, and Father, if there's one who needs to be saved today, may today be their day of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. It's always a good idea to go to Bethel. We find in verse number 1 of Genesis 35 that God tells Jacob to go to Bethel. Now, our passage of Scripture this morning, and we'll circle back around it before the message is over, uh, we learn in those first three verses, are we reminded that Jacob had been there before, and God is telling him to go to Bethel. Now, he is not telling him to do that just on a whim, obviously, because God does not operate that way. There is a reason there are circumstances that Jacob finds himself in that prompts God to send him where he knows that he will get help. What are those circumstances? If we were to take the time this morning... Uh, to read Genesis chapter number 34, we would find out uh, that the daughter of Jacob had been defiled. And then there was a league sought between the father of the man who defiled her and this man for Jacob and his family and all of their people. And through deception, what takes place in verse number 30 refers to it, uh, Simeon and Levi, two of Jacob's sons, go and kill every man in the, that were in that family, in that group of people. And they kill every man, and because of that, we find in Genesis 34-30, uh, And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye have troubled me to make me distinct among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I bring, being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Jacob 
is scared. He's scared because of what two of his sons did. He's scared because they took their swords and they slew a great number of people. And now he was afraid that the people of that land were going to rise up because they had vastly outnumbered them, that they were going to destroy them. Look at the words of Jacob. And I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Jacob was afraid. Jacob found himself in trouble. <clears throat> Jacob certainly did, still fully did not understand all that God was going to do <clears throat> because of the trajectory Jacob's life had been on. And now he finds himself, he's just trying to survive running from Esau. He's just trying to make his way with his family. And now this is a situation he finds himself in. And what was the response of God? God did not destroy those that he was worried about. God did not do what Jacob probably thought needed to be done. It was not like God did not care or God had no response. God just simply said, Jacob, go to Bethel. What is Bethel? Bethel means the house of God. And build an altar and spend time with me. And as I was thinking of this story, it's a good reminder for God's people in general. When you find yourselves in a situation when you're frightened or when you're in trouble, it's always a good idea to go to Bethel. Now, I think it's a great, church is a great place to be. That place where God does business with us is a great place to be. I don't think you should ever leave it. But if you ever find yourself in trouble, I want to say this morning, this pastor will not turn you away if you want to get back to Bethel. And I would say this morning, it'd be a good idea for God's people in our nation today to they find themselves afraid, they find themselves in fear, they find themselves in trouble. What should we do today? I've got some pretty good advice. It's always a good idea to go to Bethel. When you don't know what to do, go to Bethel. When you don't know how you're going to get through it, go to Bethel. It is where you find God, and that's what God was reminding Jacob. Yes, the inhabitants outnumbered them. And no doubt, they were going to be a little upset at what Simeon and Levi had done. But God said, get to me, and I'll take care of everything else. I think it's important for you and I as God's people, generally speaking, but as the individual Christian the morning, when you, this morning, when you find yourself in trouble, don't run from Bethel, get to Bethel. Don't run from the altar, get back to the altar. And I would certainly say don't tear the altar down, build the altar. When you find yourself with fear... Run to Bethel. Jacob certainly is a man without a country. He is at the, he is at the mercy, if you will, of those around him. Jacob, after evaluating the situation, makes a statement, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Sometimes we 
find ourselves in trouble and we go to God and say, God, why, why am I in this situation? And God's just saying, get to Bethel. Can you imagine Jacob saying, well, well God, I understand what you're saying, but, but can you, can you, if you take care of all of these enemies, if you take care of the threat, then it'll be easier for me to get to Bethel. And God said, arise, go to Bethel. And when he got to Bethel, he discovered everything was going to be okay. I want us to think of this this morning in the, in the admonition that we can receive from how God intervened in the life of Jacob and sent him to Bethel. And I want to say this morning, just like it was a good idea for Jacob in this situation with this fear and with this trouble to go to Bethel, I would say this morning, I think it's a great idea for God's people to get to Bethel. And in the future, when you find yourself in trouble, go to Bethel. When you find yourself with fear, go to Bethel. It's always a good idea to go to Bethel. Let's use this thought this morning. As we look at this message, let's be reminded of some truths that we see in this passage of Scripture. And I want to say, first of all, number one, it's a good idea to revisit the altar. Notice in verse number one, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. But he's sitting there with a purpose. Let's keep reading. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of thy brother. If we were to turn back a few chapters, we'd find that story of Jacob leaving and fleeing his life. And there God met with him and gave him that dream and met with him and that altar was built and that he was going to, God would keep his word and God would bless him and God would provide for him. And he's telling him to go back to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God. Can I tell you this morning what needs to happen in the life of Christians today? We need to go to Bethel and get at the altar once again. And make an altar unto God. See, when you enter into the presence of God at that altar, there's, some, there's, some, there's an inventory that has to be taken of our life. There's the reality that we are doing business with God. And quite frankly, this is why a lot of people stay away from Bethel and stay away from the house of God and, 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 and resist the altar. But I would say it's a good idea to revisit the altar of God. He was told to go to Bethel, but to make an altar there. I, it's sad to say that there's, there's almost on, on every street corner in the south, there is a church house, but I wonder how many altars are there. I wonder how many altars where man and God do business with themselves as opposed to being entertained by second-rate musicians. I wonder how many there's an altar where, where the Word of God is true and the Word of God is real and the Spirit of God convicts and where it's man and God and does business with God and lays on that altar their failures and lays on that altar their fears and lays on that altar their shortcomings and says, God, I'm going to place myself on that altar and I'm going to make myself available to you because it is God who can deal with our fears. It is God who deals with our trouble. And quite frankly, today, Christians, we need to do business with God. Yeah. 
And we sit around in fear, we sit around in trouble, and God has a solution. The solution is the same today. Get to Bethel, get back to Bethel, and rebuild the altar and get to where I've done business with you before. It would be good for God's people to visit the altar. Remember what God did for you at the altar before? I wonder what was going through Jacob's mind when God said unto him, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there. I wonder what memories started entering his mind that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. That trouble was now in the rearview mirror. God had met his needs. God was reminding him of what he did for him when he was at Bethel before. May we be reminded this morning of what God has done for us at an altar. This morning, think for a moment when you bowed your knee and more than your knee, but you bowed your heart at an altar, whether it was an altar in a church like this, or was kneeling at a chair somewhere, or the bowing of your head at an altar made on the front porch as you bowed your heart to God and you put your faith and trust in Christ. We need to revisit the altar of when we were in a church service similar to this and the Spirit of God was so real that you could almost reach out and touching. The Spirit of God was so evident in the work in our life and our heart and we knew the conviction of the Spirit was working in us and we... We made an altar, whether it be a response and an invitation, but we surrendered our life to God. We surrendered our future to God. We laid down that burden and that bitterness, and God did a work at the altar. It would be a good idea this morning if Christians would get back to Bethel and they would revisit the altar and revisit the very thing that God has used to work in their life and work in their heart and to put their home back together and to bestow the blessings and the protection. But you've got to get to Bethel. You've got to revisit the altar. What would it do in our nation if our nation went back to Bethel, revisited that altar, I don't want to get off track this morning because of what I want to say tonight. But our nation's trajectory could be changed overnight if Christians would go back to Bethel. Christians would get back to the altar. The recipe is still in the Bible and it has nothing to do with a political party or a political figure. And quite frankly, I think there's been a lot of Christians who have used a, a president as an, as an excuse and a hope so they don't have to get on their knees and deal with their own sins and be at the altar of God and do business with God. No politician is going to do what God says he will do when it comes to Bethel. I know what I'm preaching this morning is not popular in our country. But I know what I'm preaching this morning would change our country. There's some Christians need to get back to Bethel. Number two, it's a good idea. This is going to be a very practical message this morning. It's a good idea to take others with you. I find something very interesting. If you're not careful, you'll look over it. 
In verse number 1, And God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. He sends him back to where he's already been. When he was there before, he was there by himself. Now in verse number 2, Then Jacob said unto his household and all them that were with him, he skipped down to verse 3, and let us arise and go to Bethel. It's a good idea. It's always a good idea to go to Bethel. It's a good idea to take somebody else with you. Boy, every parent needs to understand something. When you go to Bethel, you take somebody with you. Every head of household needs to understand something. You run to Bethel and take your household with you. Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know what will happen. Well, maybe if just somebody says, I'm going to Bethel, I'm getting back to the altar, but I'm going to take somebody with me. Hey, Christians need to get back to the house of God. We need to get back to the altar in the house of God. We need to get back to doing business with God and not just going some, through some religious motion and, and really doing business with God, but we need to be in the business of taking others to Bethel with us. It's a good idea to be in church on Sunday. Let me tell you, it's also a good idea to bring somebody with you. And by being an example, but also making the effort to say, my household is going to be there. My neighbors, my co-workers, complete strangers would even be good. It's a good idea to take others with you. He said to his household, I believe this. You know why there's a lot of households not in Bethel? Because unlike Jacob, the head of the household is afraid to say, let's go to Bethel. Let's be where we're supposed to be. We've got too much of this today, and at some point I pray that our nation wakes up, and Christians, I don't even have to preach to the nation this morning, but Christians would wake up, and instead of pointing the finger and saying, Bethel's the problem with our nation, Bethel's the problem with my life, maybe we ought to just get back to Bethel and build the altar and take somebody with us. Can you imagine what would happen if every Christian was in the house of God next Sunday? Can you imagine what would happen if every Christian brought somebody else with them to the house of God? I mean, we could get a million people in Washington, D.C., but we can't get anybody in church. I wonder if we're making the same effort. It's a good idea to take others with you. We need to get to Bethel, but we also need to take others with us. Let me remind the church this morning, that's the church's responsibility. It's the church's responsibility to reach people. We have to get to Bethel. Number three, I'll hasten this morning. It is a good idea to put away strange gods. Verse number two, Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him. Now notice, if you remember just a few moments ago, I skipped down to number three, and he, and he says, let us, go arise, let us arise and go up to Bethel. Before he tells them where they're going, he tells them what needs to be done before they get there. There's a lot of talk, and there's a lot of rhetoric, and there's a lot of social media hashtags about God healing our land, but there's some things that must take place before that happens. 
And until that happens, there isn't a political force on, on this planet that can change a thing. It is a good idea to put away strange gods. So before he says, we're going back to Bethel, he says, household, here's what we've got to do. Notice what he says. And to all that were with him, household and all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. I know this morning, I, I believe this my whole heart, I pastored the greatest church on God's planet. I'm a privileged man. You're privileged to be a part of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. We've seen some great days behind us, and I believe this with my whole heart. They're nothing compared to what we're going to see in front of us. But can I say this morning? I'm going to, whether I get permission or not. For some of you, before, the reason why you don't get back to the altar, you're not willing to put away your strange gods. We, We, as Christians have put other things in front of God. And I know we live in an NFL town, but Sunday is not the NFL's day. It's God's day. And I know there's a lot of things that distract us in the land of plenty and the the benefits of capitalism and freedom and all the things that we have enjoyed. But quite frankly, if we're going to go to Bethel and that's what we need to do and I can hear the voice of God through Scripture this morning saying, hey, if you'll just get back to Bethel, go to Bethel. I know you're afraid. I know you're in trouble. But get to Bethel and get back to the altar. That's where I've done business with you before. That's when I've blessed before. That's when I've given direction before. That's when I've defeated your enemies before. Get back to Bethel. Get back to the altar. That's where it's happened before. But the reason why many Christians don't get back to Bethel is because they don't want to put away their strange gods. It's sad when Christians can tell you more about those in Hollywood than they can the Apostle Paul, John the Beloved. The reason why we don't visit an altar, the reason why we don't get back to Bethel is because we have strange gods. We have other things. We have careers that get in the way of our Christianity. And it would be a good idea to put away your strange gods if we're going to survive our trouble. No doubt, Jacob confirms in verse number 30 that they're outnumbered. He doesn't have the political power He's afraid he's going to be killed, and God says, get to Bethel. Jacob says, we're going to Bethel before we go. Put away your strange gods. Because Jacob knew that God is not going to tolerate strange gods. And not only are in this world, are we not the minority? I'm certain that preaching, are we not the majority? I'm certain 
preaching that has taken place this morning certainly is in the minority. God has never needed a majority. He's always preserved with a remnant. You and I need to be reminded that if God is going to do business as we want Him to do business, if He's going to protect us from, from the things of this world, if He's going to get us out of our trouble, whether it be collectively as God's people or individually as a child of God who's facing a trial, who's facing a difficulty, or, or lives in fear today because of something that, they, that is going on in their life, I would say to you, God is saying, go to Bethel, get to the altar, but you better leave your strange gods in this world. What is it that's keeping you from the altar? What is it that's keeping you from Bethel? It's sad to think that after what God has done for us, after God has saved us, forgiven us of our sins, that we would allow anything, anything, to get between us and our God. Say, well, Pastor, are you, are you talking about, well, if the, if, if the Spirit of God brought it to your attention, I didn't. It's amazing the strange gods that Christians have today, entertainment, careers, the sins of this world. How much protection, Christian, do those strange gods give? How much joy does a strange god give a child of God? How much peace does a strange god give? It, it amazes me, and it's a message for another time, but once again, we see all the flaws of Jacob and all the flaws of his sons. And it is from Jacob and the 12 tribes that we have the nation of Israel and God fulfills his promise. God has always used men in spite of their flaws, in spite of their shortcomings. But he uses them when they go to Bethel. He uses them when they go to the altar. He uses them when they're willing to put away their strange gods. While man may hold some things against you, God says, if you'll put away their strange gods, you'll get to Bethel, you'll get to the altar, I will make a way. Let me tell you what will help our nation more than ranting on social media is if God's people would get to Bethel again. If God's people would get to the altar again. Let me tell you what would bring revival. Hey, you really want to do something in your nation? Well, how about let the Spirit of God bring conviction in your heart this morning about a strange God that you brought into the house of God today, something that's keeping you from serving God in a greater way, something that's keeping you and hindering you from a relationship with God. You know what it is. You don't need this preacher to tell you what it is. You know what it is because the Spirit of God is convicting you about it. How about in just a few moments... When the invitation begins, how about some Christians come lay their strange gods at the altars and do away with them and say, God, you've got to make a way. You've got to provide the protection. You've got to give peace when there is no peace. Number four goes in with, ties in with number three. Just as it's always a good idea to go to Bethel, number four, it's always a good idea to clean up. 
Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. Isn't it amazing how God ties strange gods and filth? And by the way, change your garments. I guess God was a legalist. Jacob was a legalist. He believed in changing the garments. Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. It, there's easy, it's, it's very easy to draw conclusions. You've got to put away the strange gods to be clean. It, you can see it. You can see the effects of what a strange God in your life will do. It doesn't, it's amazing. Please, please, this morning, logic with me just for a moment. Let's, Let's think about this for a moment. Boy, as I look around the room this morning, and all of us are testimony of the grace of God. Isn't it amazing what the gospel will do with just a dirty old sinner? Isn't it amazing what will happen if somebody who gets saved out of this world and you plop them on a church pew at Bethel and they listen to the word of God and they give heed to the Holy Spirit and they let the word of God and they let the spirit of God change them and clean them up? What a wonderful thing to just... One of the joys of pastoring is to watch what God does in a life. And if an individual say, I'm just going to get to the altar and let God do business with me, I just enjoy standing back and just watching God do what only God can do. We could say today, look what God does in the life, how he cleans them up. What can take? Somebody either gutter and clean them up and put them on the right path? Oh, God can't. Doesn't it also make sense if we leave the altar and we hold on to a strange God, the opposite would be true? That's why you take somebody away from the things of God, give it just a short amount of time, and you don't recognize them. Some might get upset at me of saying this, but they're not clean. I don't know how many of you have you reared boys or are rearing boys. To a little boy, dirty is pretty clean. If I can't see it, then it, I'm okay. Or go clean up. Okay, I can see my hand to clean it up, and the, and the face is just filthy. It's obvious to see. Go wash again. They come back. Go again. When we get this world on us, it's evident. It's a good idea to clean up. He says, and be clean and change your garments. Being clean is not a state of mind. Well, God, God just accepts me the way I am. Let's put some context in that. Did God accept you in your sinful condition? Or did he accept you repenting of your sinful condition and putting your faith in Christ? 
Well, well God, God, God looks on the, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. And God does see the heart. But man doesn't see the outward appearance. I mean, God doesn't, man sees the outward appearance. That gives a good indication. He said, Chain, clean, clean up. We need Christians who once again decide to be clean. And this isn't the usual Sunday morning preaching, but perhaps in our nation it needs to be once again. The music of this world is not clean. And we clamor, at, we, 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 we plead with God to do things in our nation, and in churches we have those who sing the praises of God out of one side of their mouth, listen to the devil's music during the week. It's not clean. I don't think I have to say this, but it's good for us to be reminded. Hollywood is not clean. This, it's time for Christians to put aside their strange gods, clean up, change your garments, and let's do business with God. And quite frankly, that's why some will run from a Bible-preaching church like this because they don't want to give up their strange God. They don't want to clean up. They want to go where everything, they can be just like they are. Well, look at what is going on in our world. We've got more Christians than we've ever had. So what's the issue? God says, go to Bethel. Get to the altar. We have tried everything else as God's people. We've tried political movements. We've tried registering voters. We've tried everything, generally speaking, except what God has said. Get to Bethel. Get to the altar. That's where I've met you before. You know, there's Christians in here, maybe, I don't know the heart of every individual. Maybe there's somebody in here, you're this close to just quitting the things of God. God sent this message today, and God sent your pastor today to say, it's time to get to the altar. Put away your strange gods. Some of you have been living dirtier than you should be dirt living. Clean up. I mean, do we want God's protection or not? Do we want God's blessings or not? Do we want God's provision or not? If you've studied the story... It's in our, in our text, if you still have your Bible open. They, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with them in the way which I went. And they did that. They gave him the strange gods. Verse 6, and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. I wonder what God would do in our country if God's people got back to Bethel. It revisited the altar. Christian, you remember the last time you felt the conviction that you're feeling this morning? 
But you remember what God did in your life when you didn't resist him? When he picked you up? When he gave you hope? Why don't we revisit the altar today? This is the message that needs to be preached in our nation. Get back to Bethel. Get to the house of God. We've tried everything else. Maybe we should try God's plan. Hey, you, you, you want peace in your home, and you've tried it every other way. Maybe you should get back to Bethel, and maybe you should get back to that altar and put those strange gods down that you've picked up along the way and clean up and confess the things that are in your heart that you know shouldn't be there in the life of a Christian. You know shouldn't be part of your routine, part of what you do. Why don't we just get to the altar today and say, I'm going to put away those strange gods. I'm going to clean up. And God, I'm going to allow you to do what only you can do. That's the challenge this morning. And I say, there's a lot of people who have solutions about a lot of things today, but I just say, it's always a good idea to get to Bethel. Sometimes, it's, Pastor, here's this situation. I don't know what to do. What's your advice? All I have to say is get back to that altar. God has the answer. God can do what only God can do. There is no hope for our nation outside of what I've preached this morning. I'll take the Bible over a political commentator. I know enough about our American history, probably almost be a historian, and I know we got to where we are because of what I preached this morning. There will be no hope. Hey, vote! Do what you can politically, but you better get down to the altar. You better get to Bethel. It's just always a good idea to get to Bethel.